0: Father, we thank you that your plans are to prosper, that you have not forgotten us. We thank you that your plans are to prosper and you have not forgotten any of your children across this world. And we thank you that your plans to prosper are here for us to read about in your word. So we pray that you'd open up your word, you would show us all the wonderful things within it, and that we would walk out here clearer on who you are and clear on how we should live we pray this in jesus name amen amen good morning everybody lovely to see you all uh hopefully we've got a wee slide we're continuing our series in exodus and we just move on to the next slide i just want you to look um at what it says here in in exodus chapter 13 this is how you're to eat the passover meal with your cloak tucked into your belt Okay, so if you imagine uh, the, the men of this age, they had long robes on. We read a lot in the Bible about girding up your, your cloak and all that sort of stuff. So you imagine you're meant to eat this meal with your, with your cloak tucked into your belt so you're ready to, to go, ready to move. Uh, your, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. I want you just to picture those men. Uh, 600,000 of them, they've just eaten the Passover meal and the Egyptians have said, get out, get out, get out. Uh, And they're walking out with staff, with sandals, with their robes tucked up ready for a big journey. So the people took their dough, remember, they're, they're, they're making bread, but because they're going to be in such a rush out of Egypt, they're not going to put yeast in it. So they've got their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing so I want you to picture that they've got a staff they've got their robes tucked in they've got their sandals and on their back they've got this big sort of kneading trough with loads and loads and loads of uh, dough wrapped in clothes just try and picture that as best you can and if we move to the next slide uh, it says the Israelites journeyed journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth Uh, they were about 600,000 men so think about that 600,000 of these people with the staff, with the sandals, with the robe tucked in, with the big load of uh, wrapped clothes on their back, on these kneading troughs. 600,000 of these. Uh, And there was also women and children. So they estimate that there was maybe between two and three million people left Egypt on that night. Picture that. All of those staffs, all those needing troughs, all of that sort of stuff. And many other people went up with them. Also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. This is a thing we sometimes miss. Uh, in other translations, it talks about the mixed multitude or the mixed rabble. And it's the fact that it wasn't just Israelites that left that night. That there were maybe slaves from other nations. Maybe even Egyptians who had seen ten plagues and thought, this God's the real God. You know, there was an act of not only liberation that night, but also maybe evangelization. Maybe there's more came into the family of God. What a thing. But picture that. Maybe three million people leaving from Ramesses to Sukkoth that night with their staffs and their sandals and their robes tucked in and their big load of clothes on their back. What does it look like to you? Well, I think it looks a bit like, if we move to the next slide, it looks like a bunch of people backpacking, okay? Now, I know they're not Madluck bags, but I don't think they do really big ones, do they do? You know, you can put all those things in. That's the next uh, alliteration of Madluck, okay? But the, think of that, all those people leaving. I wonder, has anyone here been backpacking? Has anyone been backpacking? Okay, some of us, okay. Uh, very good. Well, these people, they're going to do it, and they're going to backpack for decades, although they don't know it yet, all right? And the place that they go to, if we move to the next slide, I think, is a place called uh, Sukkot or Sukoth, okay? Which you may recognize this word. You won't recognize it from knowing the place it is because we have no idea where most of the place names that we'll go through in this next passage. The only place we really know of is the Red Sea, really, to be honest. A whole lot of them are lost in history. But you might have seen this word before because it does move on in history of the Israelites. They have a festival called Sukkoth. And this is the festival of tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, which remembers how Israel traveled around in tents. Okay? And the place they go from Ramesses to Sukkoth basically means tent town. Okay? So they go to tent town. And why is it important that they go to tent town? Because for the Israelites, the, for some of them for the rest of their lives, for some of them they'll be born on it, but they'll be, experience a serious amount of tents and backpacking over the next little while. They go to tent town because, you see, after the moment we are delivered out of Egypt, the moment we're spiritually delivered from sin and death, we we don't go straight to heaven, you know that? We live in places like Dollingstown, but we are to remember that we are only passing through. We are to remember that this is not our permanent home. We're not going to glue ourselves to the road like some protesters do because we are going to remember that we are passing through this world, that our destination is elsewhere. And that is what the Israelites have to remember, that their destination wasn't back there in Egypt. It's not here in Sukkoth or in any of these other places that they're going to travel through over the next 40 years Their destination is the promised land, the land of promises flowing with milk and honey. And our destination is that heaven is our home. Heaven's our home. If we move to the next slide, uh, we'll see uh, a beautiful scripture. This is my favorite. Psalm, Psalm 84. Blessed are those who set their hearts on pilgrimage. Their hearts on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength. That's what we want. In tent town, after we're saved and rescued, we want to go from strength to strength uh, till we get there, to the place where we belong. Till each one appears before God and Zion, we want to go from strength to strength in this world. We don't want to be saved and stuck. We want to be saved and progressing saved and strengthened along the journey becoming more and more like Jesus until the day we meet him face to face that's the aim and that's what Psalm 84 says And if we move to the next slide we'll see uh, a beautiful verse from Hebrews 13 verse 14 for this world is not our permanent home do you realize that It is not our permanent home. Get yourself a nice kitchen and get yourself a nice sofa and get yourself whatever you want if you can afford it and you can give away, don't forget your tithe. Okay, get yourself those nice things. But remember, that is not your permanent home. Billy Graham said, one day you'll hear that I've died. Don't believe it, I've just changed the dress. Okay, it's not our permanent home. We're going to a city yet to come. That's where we're going. And Carl Reynolds is going to appreciate this, I think, because he has sent me a few uh, wee songs from this person. Haven't you? Jim Reeves? Haven't you sent me Jim Reeves? And actually, we'll put up some words here, and Carl will actually sing. No, he won't. Okay, if we move to the next (laughs) slide. Uh, And here's what Jim Reeves said. I had to look up who he was. I thought he was the boy that played Superman, you know, Jim Reeves. But no, that's Christopher Reeves. Uh, Okay, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This is the place we need to be. We cannot become, like Demas that we read about in the New Testament, in love with this world. It is not our home. We are in tent town. How, very simply, based on the wee passage today... How do we live in Tentown? How do we do that? Well, there's just four very simple ideas that I want to share with you today. The first is that we need to remember our deliverance. We need to remember our deliverance. Uh, It's really important that we keep our eyes on Canaan and that we keep our eyes on heaven Uh, and a, a Puritan called Richard Baxter who was sick all his life he, he used to pray for at least an hour every day, thinking of heaven so that he wouldn't lose sight of where he was going. But as much as we have to look forward, it's also really important that we look backwards. Uh, and in Exodus chapter 13, uh, verse, one, it's verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me, All your firstborn, whatever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast, is mine. Here's what God's saying. He's saying, I want you to set, it sounds like Catholic Ireland in a sense, you know, uh, one of the children needs to be a priest or something, okay. But that is essentially what this is. It's essentially saying, give your firstborn son to my work. That was his ultimate, uh, his original plan. Give your firstborn son to my work. Consecrate him. Set him aside. Okay? And why did God say that? Well, it was this. Because he wanted them to remember forever the significance of the firstborn. That was the aim. Not to forget the significance of the firstborn. So the first little boy came along, and his name was Johnny or something, okay? And and he was set out for the Lord. And every time the people looked at Johnny, they would remember, around the dinner table or whatever, they would remember, we are God's firstborn. He said that to the Pharaoh, that Israel is my firstborn son. We have to remember, every time we look at Johnny, that I am belonging to God. I'm his firstborn. But also, as I look at Johnny, I remember... That in order for me to be saved, the firstborn of Egypt had to die. That's what they were to remember. That I am God's and God has bought me with a price. And, folks, when we come up for Holy Communion in just a few minutes, um, we're going to remember that. We're going to remember I am belonging to God. And his son died so that I could eat this and that I could one day arrive on Canaan's shores, on heaven's gates, all because of what he did for me. We need to remember our deliverance. You say, how on earth could anybody forget a night like that? You know, the destroyer released and the cry that up up from from Egypt and we were released. How, How can anybody forget that? These people do forget it. The whole story of the Exodus is a story of them forgetting all that God has done. Secondly, uh, we need to remember our deliverance. Secondly, if we move to the next slide, we've got to go for it. Ah, trust his will. Trust his will. Because this is what uh, Ross read to us. Uh, it, it speaks of how uh, Israel... Uh, Pharaoh let the people go. God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God let the people around by way of the wilderness towards the Red towards the Red Sea. Here's the question If a, a group of people who've just been enslaved for hundreds of years get out of slavery and they're told that they're going to go to a promised, wonderful place, would you not really appreciate if you could go, just go this, this sort of simplest route? There is a road, even in the ancient world, there is literally a road that goes from Egypt to Canaan. And you get out of slavery after being beaten up for 100 years, okay? And you get out of slavery and you go, right, we'll go up this road. It takes like 10 days to go up this road. And God says, no, you're going that way. Frustrating? It's going to take absolutely ages. Why on earth are we not going via the road? There are supplies up that road. There are places that we can eat up that road. There's lots of wonderful things up that road. Let's go the quickest way to happiness. Okay? The Via Maris. Okay, north way. By the way of the sea. That's where we want to go. And yet God says no. And the reason why God says no, potentially they didn't even know what the reason was. But the reason why he said no was because what they couldn't see after being locked in Egypt for all this time is that right up that road there were Philistine outposts, right up that road, (coughs) that they would have faced unbelievable amounts of difficulty. But you see, sometimes we don't know what God does. In fact, all the time we don't know what God knows and we have to follow after his way we have to believe that his plan is to prosper us he's not forgotten us he's with us we've got to know that he's good all the time that he's even better than we think and we've got to trust his will we've got to do things that seem counterintuitive to us and we've got to believe him even when we don't understand why I don't know if anyone, has anyone here done the prayer course, 24-7 prayer course, Pete Gregg? Okay, so quite a few of us have done it, good. Um, Well, there is a a new version of that, Uh, there's actually sort of another two actually, but the next one is called the Unanswered Prayer Course, that's a a fun one today, okay, the Unanswered Prayer Course. And I was watching a few of the little videos thinking, oh, you know, would this be good for... Uh, or a nurse group, or whatever. And uh, in one of the, the sessions, it's talking about just the, the pain of it seeming like God's not answering. And the person he's featured in it is a, a local minister, actually. If we just move to the next slide. Sorry, you can't really see that. That's Gemma Hunt. I think she's like a pirate in children's TV, for anyone who watches children's TV. Uh, but she's interviewing him. The other person, which is very hard to see, is Alan Emerson, who's a, a local here. He, he was in Emmanuel Lurgan, but I think now he's in Emmanuel Portadown. And it's just a phenomenal story and a very difficult story, uh, which I'm sure many people already know about. Alan's, Alan's uh, now married, I think, to Rachel, but his, his first wife was called Lindsay, and she passed away uh, with a brain tumour. And he's just talking about all of that and talking about how he is held on to the Lord in the midst of such difficulty. And he's almost, in this interview, he's such an art- articulate guy, Alan Emerson, but he's almost struggling to find the right words, you know, because he's talking about something so deep and raw. And he said this, he said, he basically thinks about why it was better for his, uh, for his first wife to die rather than to be healed, how you can trust in God's will, in the midst of something like that and he said um, he said a whole lot of things but the end of what he says basically is I concluded that there must be something so beautiful and mysteriously woven by grace that I have not yet discovered about why he took her think of that I concluded there must be something so beautiful and mysteriously woven by grace that I have yet to discover about why he took her. Amazing. You know, that, that almost he's saying that, that, you know, I'm so convinced in Romans 8, 28, I'm so convinced that in all, good, in all things, God works for the good of those who are called by him, uh, who, who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm so convinced that God is good, that even when I don't see the Philistines down that road, I am going to just accept that there must be something beautiful that he's weaving outside of my knowledge. Trust in his will. We have to trust in his will if we're going to survive time, if we're going to survive the difficulty of moving through uh, this world. And there are no easy answers when we're confronted by the, the awful things even we've seen in the past seven days in Turkey and Syria. So, uh, we need to remember our deliverance. We, uh, if we, sorry, move on, please. Nate. Uh, we need to trust in his will and we need to rest in his promises. We need to rest in his promises. You know, this passage goes on straight away to say that Moses, verse 19, took the bones of Joseph with him What a thing. You know, you're in a rush out of slavery for a couple of hundred years at least and you stop to get some bones. The bones of Joseph. Um, Why? Because Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. See, when, when Joseph, remember, moved to Egypt, he was carried Uh, into slavery wasn't he sold by his brothers he was carried into slavery but he wasn't carried out for a long time he he died in Egypt he was a a prime minister in that place Uh, he was the person who dealt with the provision of food during a a worldwide famine Uh, and Joseph even though he'd done so well in Egypt he thought this is not my home I'm just passing through that there's going to be a day that's going to come where God will visit Israel again and he will deliver them to where they belong. And he believed that 400 years before it actually happened. And he said to his, his brothers and to the people, he says, make sure when God does visit you, you take me with you. You take me with you. What a thing to believe in God's promises to such an extent that you would believe that for something that would happen generations after you died. But he does. And you know, we have just read in our Immerse group uh, Revelation and my other Immerse group were reading it this week. Um, But you know, the church has always been here. When the church has suffered and died, In the the amphitheater of Nero, burned by an evil emperor, fed to the lions, you know, the church that's been persecuted today, they always believe that whether Jesus comes to the sky and they're caught up, or their burned bones are in the grave, they always believe that God will take them home. Trust in his promises and in everything if we're moving through tent down if we're moving through this place between salvation and glorification we have to trust in god's promises uh, i afford this to you, and uh, for anyone who hasn't send me a wee text and i'll ping you this beautiful video it was sent to me by uh, a guy called chris phillips who will have will have come and speak very soon from open doors uh, he worked with the persecuted church. He sent me this beautiful video from a place called Latakia in Syria, and Christians caught up in the earthquake, uh, survivors uh, are, are seen in a Nazarene church, uh, and they are, are sitting in a circle, joyfully singing Christian songs, using the light of their mobile phones to read the words on a page and this is what they're singing in the video that i have our land is thirsty it's filled with wounds the flood of your love will heal her the touch of your hand will fix and restore her back to yourself this is our hope in you our lord our land is thirsty it's filled with wounds but here's the promise your flood of love will heal her your touch will fix and restore her back to yourself this is our hope what a thing what a thing are we people passing through this barren land tent town are we people who really are remembering what he's done trusting in him even when it doesn't make sense to us And resting in his promises. Remember in Revelation we see a throne with a rainbow over it. Throne means authority. Rainbow means promises. Do we believe in the promises of God like these Christians in Syria? Finally, they journey or move in his presence. They move in his presence. It says this, verse 20, And they moved on from Succoth. Tent town and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Imagine that. Uh, You know, Moses had shared, I saw a burning bush. I really did, I saw a burning bush. No you didn't, Moses, right? When they get into the wilderness, they see a burning sky. Cloud by day, fire by night. Psalm 105 tells us that the cloud covered them by day. would not be lovely in a hot desert to be covered by a cloud. Uh, In a cold desert at night, they had the fire of God Burning. But the main reasons weren't for heat and cold. The main reasons were for guidance. And they were led. Even in their, even in their worst moments of rebellion, they continued to be led by this wonderful, wonderful Holy Spirit thing on this, in the sky. You know, wouldn't it be lovely if we had one of those Uh, for us, you know, when you're trying to figure out what man or woman to marry or whatever just a wee bit of fire would appear above their head or something, when you're trying to figure out what job to go for ah, there's a wee bit of cloud beside it on the page or whatever, wouldn't that be wonderful if God would just guide us in this kind of manifest wonderful way here's the reality God has told us that instead of putting it into the sky he's put it inside us the, 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 the hope of glory, the hope of Canaan, the hope of heaven, the deposit guarantee in our, our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is in us. If we would listen to him. He's really in us. I've been getting really excited over the past few days because there are reports, ladies and gentlemen, of revival in a place called Ashbury. Isn't that right, Ashbury? I think that's right. In Tennessee, And it is very exciting. I will send you endless videos of that. Because uh, on a Wednesday morning in an ordinary little university, a, a, a sort of little service began. And it's now been going on for days and days and days. With people weeping, repenting, being healed, being transformed. And you know why they're staying there for days and days and days? The presence of God has fallen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the presence of God would fall in such a way here? We could stay all day. It'd be great. Uh, But the presence of God is fallen, but the presence of God is within us, leading us and guiding us through this barren land. We are not left as orphans, friends. Uh, God is not a cloud in the sky or a fire in the sky. He's really within you, and he really wants to guide you how to live and how to be in this barren land. Let's stand together. And just before Emma leads our Holy Communion, let's just pray. Please, let's just pray. Church, we're about to come And receive Holy Communion so as not to receive it unworthily. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's remember our deliverance. Let's remember (coughs) that it wasn't a lamb that was slain for us, it was God's perfect Son. Let's remember our deliverance as we take the bread and the wine. Remembering if it wasn't him who paid, it would be me, that my freedom was bought by Jesus. That should cause our hearts to rise, that should cause us to almost weep when we think of what he's done. Are we people of obedience? who will trust his will in this week as we travel in our tents through this world which is not our home are we people that will hold tight to his promises are we people that will be open to his leading and guiding are we people whose hearts are set on pilgrimage till each of us appears before God and Zion. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.